0: Hello, Claremont. Welcome to yet another episode of Claremont Speaks. I'm Russ Binder, your host here, as always. We're coming to you once again from the beautiful Memorial Park. We've got ducks, we've got birds, we have got people walking their dogs, and we got a podcast. My guest today is Catherine Mora. Catherine is currently a writer for the Courier. What attracted me to ask Catherine to come on the program was she's had a series of articles about aging in Claremont and how she's never done it before and it's all new to her and I thought well this is something that I think we're all facing so maybe everyone would be interested. So first of all welcome to Claremont Speaks. You're now part of the Claremont Speaks family. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for coming. I'm thrilled to have you. Catherine let me give about two seconds of background on you and we'll begin. Is that fair?
1: Sure. Sounds great.
0: So you are a native Los Angelino. Yes. You've been back and forth across America. You claim yourself as being a free spirit, which, uh, you know, who doesn't like that? You have an unlimited curiosity about everything. You raised two sons here in Claremont? No,
1: I just came to Claremont February 1st, 2020.
0: So you aren't a lifelong Claremonter, but certainly Southern California. And here's the part I really like. You have a history, a career as a professional clown. Katrina was the name of the clown. You performed in L.A., in Aspen, at big events, parties. And it was probably not your full-time gig, but it was something that makes a few bucks and, have you know, do something you really liked.
1: Let me tell you something. Clowning paid the best I've ever received in my life.
0: Wow. So clowning around is not clowning around as far as getting paid.
1: If you take it seriously
0: serious clowning. Catherine, let's start there. In your early days, then was this something you did professional clown? Was that like right out of high school or what happened there?
1: Gosh, that was so long ago. No, right out of high school, I went to college. Then I got married, had two months, and then different things happened. And I was unmarried. And that's when I said, hmm, I worked for IBM. I said, it's Pays, but I need to make more money. But actually, the money wasn't it. I love entertaining, so I created Katrina.
0: And we'll post a picture in the show notes so that people get to see what we're talking about. Right, but it's a very uplifting and cute clown—not some monstrous thing or something very scary or anything. It's entirely designed the character to make people happy.
1: That's right, Katrina the clown. I gave her everything I love. Red hair, flowers, bright makeup, bright and very specific and very lovely, bright clothes. Mm-hmm. And you signed her totally. And she has big shoes because I have big feet. And I just wanted to be comfortable. So I learned so much. I learned juggling and magic and all kinds of things in you know? I would give shows and make balloons.
0: Nice. Tell us about, like, your very best show, the one that you would always remember no matter what.
1: Can I say the one that I thought was going to be best, but it wasn't?
0: This is internet. You can say whatever you want. (laughs) Actually, why don't we talk about both? One that you thought was going to be great and wasn't, and one you didn't think was going to be so hot and turned out to be, like, the one.
1: It's hard to pick which one was best, because every show, every place I was hired, it was different and big and small, and it was joyful. It was a joyful way to...
0: To make a few extra bucks.
1: bucks. A lot, yeah. And And money was not the motivation by any means, but do what you love and the rest does follow. The one that hits me that Was the least satisfying. Was I was hired for this celebrity? Of course, you're in L.A. You get hired. I should mention the celebrity, but I thought it was going to be really so much fun. There were celebrities that were there, but the best thing about it, I drove up. Katrina drove up to the the gate, big gate, high up in Bel Air. And I said, Katrina the Clown, and the big door opened. Can you imagine? No, just like
0: you see on the movies. This is a serious Beverly Hills, right?
1: Yes. And if I would have said, Catherine Mora, who are you? Go away. So that was pretty exciting. But the rest was, it wasn't a lot of fun but I have done very fancy places.
0: Were you ever on TV or in the movies or anything?
1: I was in a commercial. I was in a lot of newspapers uh-huh. in the Aspen they did.
0: At the Aspen Comedy Festival?
1: No, darn. If I would have known, I would have tried. No, with Spin, I did a lot of street performing and That was an experience. The first time— And
0: I'm going to guess during the summer.
1: I did street performing for Aspen during the summer.
0: Yeah, right. Otherwise, you have to wear uh, snowshoes, not just big shoes.
1: Yeah. Oh, but I did do performing up in Aspen Mountain, and I took the gondola, and it was a lot of fun. And I was juggling. And my ball went down the hill. A dog. We found clowns. Even the sweetest clowns, kids are afraid of. Even big people are afraid. And the sweetest Katrina is. One time, maybe the second or third party I ever went to. This man I was traveling. This woman said she didn't want to go to South L.A. I said I'll go. I like to go everywhere. So I went and. These people in cars next to me, they're always so like, hi, how are you?
0: Well, you don't usually see clowns driving a normal car. They always have to travel at 30 at a time in a car that nobody could fit in even once. Or just something that go, oh, okay, it's clowns.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's a good point. And I did have a red car. And people, their faces were so soft. And it mm. was in a rough area. Then I get to the place and the two-year-old was afraid. And there were a couple. This this is one. The people were sitting on the stage. I'm supposed to be on the stage. And, And they were just looking at me. And the kids were not supposed to talk or anything. So I knew I had to break the ice. So I have this part of the act where I let the air out of the balloon accidentally mm. because I'm so tired. I can't blow it up and I let it out and goes everywhere.
0: Right. The then, kids went nuts.
1: Even the parents. <laughs> and then we had fun. And I said, oh, I'm so embarrassed. So it was beautiful.
0: You got them on your side.
1: I was there to entertain them, and then they kind of relaxed.
0: Then you moved on to stand-up comedy. Now, I have a special place in my heart for anybody that tries stand-up. I took my shot at stand-up. You did? Absolutely. I went to the Irvine Improv and took a class. I had In 2000, I had been let go through really no fault of my own when the dot-com crash came from a job where they also let everybody else go. <laughs> and and I was just like, God, this sucks. I'm sorry, but I mean, excuse my language, but it's like, this <laughs> sucks.
1: That's not that language.
0: And I thought, what are we going to do? I said, I'm going to try something that I've never tried before and always wanted to. I, I didn't want to have the regret of never having tried it.
1: That's right.
0: And so I signed up for the class and They teach you the basics and all that. And, you know, how to hold the microphone and where to put the mic stand. And when the light comes on, get the hell off the stage. (laughs) Or the
1: music.
0: Yeah, yeah. Or the music. Or if they're not laughing, don't immediately freak out. Things like that. Yeah. But our little group did pretty well. And then we had our showcase and everybody's friends came in and I had a good night. And I thought, this was really enjoyable. I'll do it some more. And so I would drive all over to more amateur open mic shows. Mm -hmm. But I did get to go up on at the improv a number of times with a real audience and a real club. And quite frankly, even though I didn't continue it, the several years that I did pursue it, I I had experiences I wouldn't trade for anything. Yes. And that's what I wanted to ask you is that, first of all, what flipped your switch, if you will, into doing stand-up? Second, how did it go for you? And was there, again a particular night that you wouldn't trade for anything? Yes. And then please tell us about it. Just, <laughs> oh, a a okay. yes answer is okay.
1: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> tell us about it, please. I was okay. working at IBM.
0: Which yeah. always impressed me as the most rigid place to work.
1: It's bad. And in fact, my nickname is Kitty. And up until IBM, I used my nickname and because I was born with Kitty as kitty so i said "Ooh!"
0: so we should have really opened the show with hello kitty
1: <laughs> you could have okay. and i would have said oh so thank you i knew that i had to change my name's katherine mm. k-a-t-h-r-o-i-n that's pretty and so i had to do that it was a male dominated you know it was very tough the worst of the worst and i knew that kitty wasn't going to give me any power. No cred. Catherine didn't do very well either. Anyway, I worked for them a while, And I love Carol Burnett. I love entertaining. And I said, I want to do stand-up comedy. I love to do what I wanted to. And I do.
0: One of the reasons I'm having you on is that I looked at your bio and you tend to march to your own drum. Yes. And that's, to me, the perfect guest. So tell us, for instance, for stand-up, How'd you get into it? What was your first experience? And how did you jump in? Did you take a class or something?
1: I did take a lot of classes and because I like a variety of everything. And the first time that I ever appeared was at the Coliseum.
0: Oh, you didn't go for any of these little <laughs> bar shows? The Coliseum for 100,000 yeah. people?
1: Yeah. When I went and I took a class, he saw me and He said, would you come to the Coliseum and be the entertainment with the cheerleaders? And I said, sure. So I did, and I was supposed to entertain, and I did entertain with them and go around to the outside, talk to the people, this, that, the
0: So you were a warmer-upper? That's nice. Uh, That's. I think everybody I know in stand up would love to have a thing like that being like first out of the gate.
1: It was good, and I forgot to tell you something important. It was for the LA football team.
0: Was it the Rams at the time?
1: Are you kidding? It was the LA Express.
0: Oh, LA Express. So (laughs) there was maybe two or three hundred people there in the whole stadium, right?
1: I don't know. (laughs) Yeah,
0: that was that whole World Football WFL.
1: I didn't even know. I was the clown. There were a up. lot of people, actually. Right. But then they did worse and worse. So they called me at the Express, and they said, We're sorry, Katrina the Clown. We can't have you there anymore because... People are calling them clowns. Oh, but you
0: went there as a clown, not as a stand-up.
1: Oh, yeah, I was. Oh, I not tell you that?
0: The, that's what I was asking. You said you had some good experiences as a clown. But what was your first entry into stand-up? That's where I was going with this, is that not everybody has that f- switch flip in their brain either. My experience isn't what we're here about, but yours is. And so what was yours?
1: Okay. I was a, a yuppie bag lady, and I went to the comedy store. For the very first time that I ever got up on the stage. And
0: now is this the belly room up in the back or is it the main down front?
1: Well it was the main thing, but it nice. was it, but it was the amateur night.
0: Okay, very good. Open mic. There you go. So,
1: and I was a yuppie bag lady and I looked like a yuppie bag lady and because I studied bag ladies. When I get nervous I forget things. And I forgot, I think at three minutes, the music went on. I was like, oh my, I didn't know there was going to be the light shining in my face. It was awful. And I love to see the people. Anyway, that was my very first time. And then after being my very first time, I think that was maybe... 1984. Anyway, I came out to go to my car. Mm -hmm. A friend came with me, and a sheriff came through. And he thought I was a bag lady breaking into somebody's car.
0: In other words, you pulled the character off so well, they took you seriously. Yeah. Oh, very nice.
1: (laughs) I looked, I said, I don't talk. He had a problem.
0: So your costume was very convincing. Yeah. Nicely done. Okay, so you tried stand up comedy. It says you taught it here as well in upstate New York.
1: Yeah, but the best time was with Greg Dean. He's, he's a teacher
0: down there, yes.
1: He's a teacher in LA.
0: Correct. He's been around for years and years.
1: He's great. He had a showcase. I was very nervous. Did you think that the audience was the enemy when you first saw him?
0: No, I didn't think anybody was the enemy for myself they give you four minutes, right? And you think four minutes, oh, that's going to go by quick. Oh boy, four minutes can take forever. And like I said for myself, the first minute and a half or two, I got a couple little chuckles here and there and I'm going like, oh God, I'm dying. Then I got to a one particular joke and it really, I guess I must've done it just right. Cause the whole audience went nuts. It almost scared me because they were just, <laughs> they were laughing and clapping and I'm like, Oh, good. You liked one. All right. Now we're off to the races. Was that the case with you? Is that like you were talking about the other in the other story, an icebreaker that converts the audience from an enemy to your friends?
1: What happened was it was a little different, but there was an icebreaker, but it wasn't something that I wrote in my routine. And there was only one person there who was my friend because I didn't want to invite anybody else. So I knew my class members. You go through the however amount of weeks, then you get right, right,
0: six or eight weeks or whatever it is. Yeah,
1: something. So I got up, and I was already scared. My knees were shaking, and I pretty much forgot what I was going to say. That's the worst. I was shaking, nobody was laughing. But I just said, my deal was just go up there and try to relax. I didn't think about laughter, because that was hard enough to get up there. And then my knees were shaking so much that they knew my knees were shaking. So I just stopped. I turned to the left, and I talked to my knees. I don't know where they went, and I, they stayed there of the audience and I talked to my niece and said, look, I'm starting to have a little fun. Would you please stop shaking? I'm going to fall on my bottom and I'll be so embarrassed. Okay, got that over. And then I was back and I said, hi, I could do this a lot better if my knees weren't shaking so much. They roared and I was like, and then we were a circle together. That wasn't even in my routine. And I thought of something new. And I said, this reminds me of the time I was taking my driving test. And I was so scared. My knees were shaking. And I had a stick shift. And then they roared again. And that wasn't even in my routine. And then it went so beautifully. A man from HBO came because he was the husband or boyfriend of somebody else. And he said, don't stop.
0: A little encouragement really lights the fire. Yeah.
1: I'm thinking strongly of getting back into it again. And this is probably a good time to talk about it. The theme will be, I've never been old before. And I don't know when it starts. I'm sure a lot of people understand
0: that's why I wanted to have you on. I read your articles that have that roughly same theme. And when I read the first one, I said, oh, here's somebody who has something to say. And little did I know then is in the time since I read the first one, I tried to contact you. You had several more come out after that. And it was like, well, she definitely has something to say. Then you got a hold of me and here we are. So let's do this then. Your next, let's say, detour or exit was to journalism, right? A journalism major and a English minor at Cal State University, Northridge.
1: That's correct.
0: The cool part is you were awarded the Society of Professional Journalists' Most Outstanding Graduating Staff Writer, uh, Student, right?
1: Graduating
0: Senior. Graduating Senior, the Senior Award. That isn't trivial. First of all, Cal State Northridge doesn't let anybody in if they're not already pretty good. And so you're in a class with stiff competition for something like that. Right. Tell us about how you got the award. What was the kicker there?
1: Well, before I went to Cal State, I had so many units. I loved college and studying and learning new stuff. So some years I've studied science and i studied literature. And ultimately, I decided to get my B.S. in journalism. How did I win that?
0: Uh, B.A., rather. BA. Yeah. BA. Yeah. Details, not a big deal. (laughs) Move on.
1: If I would have stayed with science, it would have been a BS. Yeah.
0: What got you such an an outstanding accolade?
1: I'm not quite sure. I was very involved in my studies, and I wrote for the paper. I was a staff writer during that time, Mm -hmm. not only for the paper, but I wanted to learn more. And... I was hired for no pay. Yeah, and, those
0: are really the best gigs, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> if you get fired, how do you tell?
1: Yeah, that's right. But for journalism, it was Coast Media in Culver City. They have a lot of newspapers. Right. And that's where I wrote my first big feature. They had about eight newspapers.
0: Now, you were the staff writer for the Sundial newspaper at SeaSun. But being at CSUN, that's practice. Out in the real world, you landed a gig with Coast Media.
1: I did. And that was while I was going to school. Going Oh, to- so
0: even before graduation, you were yeah. on the path. Right. So then you went to Coast Media, and they had nine newspapers. Your content was distributed across all nine? Yeah. So you went right out of the canon, being a kind of a big deal. Wow. I didn't know I had somebody here so famous. And you were a fact checker with the LA Magazine. So good for you.
1: Yeah, for the features there. The managing editor said, do you want to go out and interview somebody? And I said, sure. So I went and I had my 25 questions mm-hmm. and asked her. And she said to me, you're the Best reporter who ever interviewed me. I didn't want to tell her at that time, You're my first
0: one. Say something like, Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I just (laughs) said,
1: No, I just (laughs) said, Thank you.
0: uh, That also works. So from there, you wrote for papers here in upstate New York, Santa Paula, right? You moved to upstate New York, you came back, and you've started a number of projects that you are, let's say, diligently trying to finish. You know,
1: this part of my life is writing personal projects, finishing and writing new. So my job is to stay healthy and not do three at a time like I'm used to. Do one. So I did
0: one. I know you have a ton more to talk about, and we're going to do that the next time you come on, okay. but I'd like to use that as a transition to talk about the fabulous articles you're writing now for the courier. Thank you. The, the first attracted my attention and everyone else's. Apparently, if they're having you do more, they must be popular. So let's start out with this. You just had a birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you.
1: That's the whole thing. Birthdays don't devalue us, birthdays shouldn't demean us. No. Birthdays should add to our personal life and people who think that old is old and shouldn't be treated very well because they're not valued
0: anymore. That was actually the key theme that I got from your articles, that despite a wealth of experience, despite knowledge that only comes with almost eight okay. decades.
1: <laughs> oh, that scares me. But
0: age has actually extraordinary value. So the reason I wanted to talk about your experience in the past was to show that, you know, you just didn't sit around the whole time. you. Really got out there and gave life a try. So, right? Fair enough.
1: I was from a little kid when my brother and I traveled with our parents across the United States. I like adventure. Right. Exactly. And
0: you traveled a lot and all that. But now you settled back into Claremont and you're working for The Courier. Yeah. So let's pick it up there. Oh. And tell me, first of all, what was the inspiration? And if your series of articles has an overarching title. So the inspiration to write such articles was what?
1: I That was interesting how well, beautiful things land in your lap and you didn't even expect it. Like the courier, like this. I just say yes.
0: So tell us, you got the job with The Courier. You decided to have this series of articles. What was the inspiration for that?
1: Just a little backtrack. I've been in Claremont for two years, and then I stayed in the house because we couldn't go out, and I finished my book. Then a friend of mine, a colleague of mine, I was on the SPJ board when I lived in LA.
0: And what's the SPJ board? Oh,
1: Society of Professional Journalists.
0: You gotta spell out acronyms at least once. That's good writing style.
1: (laughs) So I was interested in what she moderated. Community newspapers are going down the drain because of the internet, because of all this technology. So I went To knock on the door and say, I support you at the courier. And then to make the story short, a little shorter, I was connected to Peter Weinberger for an appointment. And I guess it came out that I was a journalist. We had a meeting. And I said, yes, because I didn't know. I thought he was going to ask me more how I thought I could help them support. He interviewed me for writing jobs. Right. I went and we talked. And then he said, oh, what would you like to write about? And I said, I'm used to doing big, in-depth features. If you were to write something for the courier, what would you like? And I'd already been thinking of this theme, I've never been old before, and I don't know when it starts, ever since different things have happened to me. And he said, I like it. How about a column? And I said, yes. And that's what happened. And I didn't know. I'd never written a column before. Just the big ones. I have loved writing the columns. And writing, he said, I want it autobiographically. I said, Great.
0: That, that keeps the research down to a minimum.
1: And that is true. But that gives me a chance to, in this part of my life, to say
0: what's on my mind. Well, that's why we're here. As a matter of fact, the name of the show, as you well know, it's Claremont Speaks about matters that matter most. And saying what's on your mind matters most. So tell us then, what was the inspiration to do the series of articles about not having been old before and not being sure when it starts? I don't think there's a, a day where the, you go, oh, now I'm old. Time is the th- subtle thief of youth. And it all of a sudden, one day you look in the mirror and go, oh, right?
1: It didn't happen that
0: way. Tell us how it happened.
1: I, what happened was I was treated differently. And I thought, no, I won't allow anybody to take my spirit away, my free spirit. And I noticed when it happened before, different stories that I've written about, actually. And then I was re-reminded when a crossing guard reminded me how people think people are old. And they're in my stories. How medical people you know hi honey hi sweetie they didn't even know my name and they're calling me sweetie and then
0: just on looks alone you can see how that would happen but my i understand (laughs) you you don't need to you don't need the patronizing
1: no i don't i'm ageless you're ageless you treat me like as i treat you as you treat people ageless we're not colors, size, shapes, ages. And I want to share that we are whole human beings no matter who we are, no matter what age. We're adding to ourselves. We're sharing our gifts and we can share our life, our gifts, and keep growing and not just be pushed in a corner. In fact, Somebody two weeks ago was treating me, a nurse, actually. She said, do this, do that. Don't do this, don't do that. Said it there. I said, I do not like you talking to me that way.
0: And did she shift gears? She did. There you go. Stand up for yourself.
1: This is my motivation. And it's stand-up. It's like writing. It's like we share. It's like your podcast. We Share with each other and support each other.
0: There was a rally in Claremont at the corner of Indian Hill and Foothill. For about 90 minutes, people showed up with signs to garner support against gun violence. And so I went and interviewed folks there. Depending on when this comes out, you've either heard it or it's to be released. Mm -hmm. But I talked to the people holding the signs and I said, look, you're sharing out here for 90 minutes. How would you like to share what you have to say for the next 10 years? And they're like, what? I said, yeah, you come on my podcast. People can click into it from now until forever. But when, you know, it was hot, you know, a 90 minutes out in the corner was enough. But at the end of the day, this is sharing on a perpetual basis. Yes. So this will go on. Your episode will be listenable for years and years to come.
1: And that's beautiful. And that's why I do what I do.
0: So your articles, then the key theme, if I'm getting it correctly, is that being old is no reason to be treated differently. Any age, you should be treated roughly the same. The one caveat I would throw at that is that with age should come proportional respect.
1: I think I would say there are two caveats for me to share with people, live your life, follow your dream, be excited, learn, and just as important, And you're exactly right. Do not treat me, demean me, disrespect me, and treat me like I have no value anymore. So it's on one side telling people we do have value. And on the other side, we don't have to accept that.
0: You don't have to accept being dismissed.
1: That's right. Dismissed. That's a good word. I want to touch people.
0: (laughs) Good. How would you like to do that?
1: Well, I feel, number one, what we radiate, we receive back. So that happens to me. I'm positive. I'm alive. If you don't think, oh, I'm old. I can't do this. I can't do that. I won't do this. Then that's part of how the circle goes between people. Now, the store or the nurse. In that case, I go to the store, and I love it. I have a lot of good friends there, all ages. That's really special because we all learn a lot from each other. Maybe some old people look at young people and I'm like, "What do you know?" They know a lot. They know a lot more than I do through their life and their path through technology because they've been around. Me. But And the answer to your question, I didn't like how a checker was treating me. And I will say, I won't be mean, I won't be demeaning, I won't treat her like she's treating me. But I said, I do not like how I'm treated by you.
0: Again, did they change their tune?
1: She did, but she's not there anymore. So evidently she did that to a lot of people.
0: If someone isn't treating literally the lifeblood of their business, which is you, the customer, in a manner which would make them want to come back, I think that's a career ender right there.
1: For sure. In fact, I spoke to a manager and I said, look, this is not a good thing. And I don't accept it. I don't like to be treated that way. He listened to me and I'm not in a negative way. I just said the facts and it, it is not acceptable. I think she needs maybe some more counseling or some counseling. or training or, or tra- yeah.
0: and honestly, if you it sounds like you treated it as to the store's perspective, as an opportunity for improvement. The store you're talking about. Pretty nice place. Nice people. Some people are like right out of high school and they don't know.
1: Yeah, they're learning.
0: They don't know that they're treating you in such a fashion. That's just something they haven't gotten to yet in their, let's say, life education. So the way you're treating it is an opportunity for improvement. Yes. And if they took steps to improve that, then all the better. Maybe it's even more with women of a certain age, right?
1: It is. Whatever you're going to say, it's true. (laughs) Well, you
0: understand where I'm going, but my point here is what I'd like to have from you is if someone in your same boat gets this same sort of treatment, so what would you recommend?
1: Don't take it personally because it isn't. It's that person's attitude toward the old. Maybe they think they'll never get old. And just don't let it bring you down. Stand up and feel good about what you're doing. And internally, still be that free, excited person about life.
0: So don't let it take away your spirit.
1: Don't. Let it take away your spirit.
0: And then what would you want them to do about it? In other words, obviously internally, don't let it crush you. Realize these people that are treating you in this way may not even know they're doing it. Is that fair? Yes.
1: And have a voice. We do have voices. All of us say something. I did say something to this young checker. And there are a lot of young, great people there. Old people, different people who work there. I love going there. I feel like it's important to know that you have a voice. Use it. Use your voice.
0: First recognize it and don't hesitate to step up and use it.
1: Yes. And in my mind, that was funny. I always already jumped to that. But it's important to put it one, two, three. Use your voice actively. I. Am blessed. And to notice how you're blessed, the thing I'm thinking about now, I have two sons. Of course, I think they're amazing.
0: Typical mom.
1: Yeah. They helped me find Claremont. They knew I loved colleges. I love all this, the trees, whatever. I was living in LA. The rent was so high. Brutal. And ageism got in the way of me getting a small job so I could live on my social security, pay the rent, and write my books and do whatever. So it wasn't working very well. They wanted me to find a place that was within my budget. They know I'm very independent and I have a lot I wanted. And they I called them angels, and I called them my business advisors. I never spent much time with business. Even though I raised them, I just worked harder, made more money. but it's a little harder to work harder, make more money and do what you love second half of your life. They showed me how to live with the in my budget. We have meeting on the phone once a week. They put a whole budget together. I cannot believe that I am able to live within my budget. And why was it important to them? They want me to do what I love and not worry about money finances.
0: So working at The Courier and writing the articles on a monthly basis that you do, is that fulfilling your desire to do what you love?
1: That's one of them. Very cool. For sure. And then... Finishing the books, doing the films, doing whatever. Yes, and I'm not like, oh God, rents. Do I want to pay it? And I can pay it. And but the ba-
0: you've got the basics covered, so that you can pursue your passions.
1: Exactly, my bliss. I want to share with everybody. Follow your bliss.
0: Very cool. So the first step is to find what that is for you. And for you, it seems that is expressing yourself. You do that. Probably better than most, right?
1: Thank you. Well, not, you must be. Okay.
0: There you go. And then the second step, of course, is have that be something you really like to do just because you're really good at something. But if you hate it, if you're a, a great dancer, but it's, I just don't like this, then it's not for you. No. So the second key is to have it be something you love and you keep returning to expressing yourself over and over again whether it be stand-up being a clown being a writer writing books and all that expressing yourself to the delight and education of others is great and then the third step of course is the final key to the secret to life is if you can do step one and two and have it pay you some money yes then perfect and so for yeah and then you yes so every day you get up you go you know what i really like to do and i'm damn good at and if i do it I'm going to enjoy it and make a few bucks. Now, have you hit the the third key?
1: Yes, three
0: part key to life.
1: And that is true. And set yourself up so you have the time to do what you love, and the rest will follow. And I will. I love to be paid for doing what I love.
0: So now let me ask this on your articles. You've had what five so far published?
1: Yeah, and that sixth one I send in tomorrow
0: oh so we better wrap this up so you can go put the final I f- polish I on finished. it oh, okay so let's do this let's move to capping this off if okay. you will i always ask but the same final three questions first what would be the one thing that you would like to have people remember about your interview here today anyone that's made it this far what would you like to have as the main takeaway so when they tell their friends about your interview The number one thing you'd like them to tell others and remember about this interview, what would that be?
1: Number one, to be inspired to do what you want to do in your life by another person who, whether she is your age or you're younger, to be inspired.
0: Let yourself be inspired. Okay. And what would be the number one thing you'd like to have somebody do as a result of listening to this podcast? In other words, that's what they're going to remember, to be inspired. Would it have to do with acting on that inspiration?
1: Absolutely. That is so utmost priceless important.
0: Okay. Well, very cool. So, in other words, whatever inspires you...
1: Do it. Just do it. Just do it. Don't wait for the right time, the right... You know enough. I always thought I have to know more to so what... I... Study more. Do it.
0: And do it now.
1: And do it now. And you know the thing about it? We do what you love because you love it, not because the people will laugh. Do what you love and don't do the comedy to get the laughs. Do it because you love it and be honest and open and transparent.
0: Okay. And then finally, this is the part of the program I like to call shameless self-promotion where you get to tell the listeners where to find you, how to contact you, where to find you in the newspaper. How can people get more of Catherine? I think your articles are kind of like the appetizer.
1: I love the way you just
0: And everybody can read those and go, oh, how can I find out more?
1: Okay, it'd be great. I would love to share the, I write the commentary, the columns, because it feels so good to get it out and because justice is important, I love to share and entertain, too.
0: Do you get some nice feedback from those articles? Yeah. Do people write in and respond?
1: Evidently, they do have a lot of positive response. Cause Peter said, Catherine, I want you to come in and get a picture. They're going to put a picture in this.
0: I'll do so as well. Oh, good. You've got more articles coming. You're going to be yes. there every month.
1: Yes. This new one. And uh, we have a rhythm, tempo, and timing now.
0: So, in the next issue, and, and they can edit it down or do whatever and set it up for a second week of the month publication.
1: It's 800 words, so they don't have to get rid of words.
0: We got past 800 words in the first five minutes of the podcast <laughs> or less, right? Yeah. And 800 words, and you have to have a certain efficiency of words in an article for what we're doing here. You get to expand on it. And what I'm hoping is that you can, in your future articles, come on every so often and expand on what you've, let's say, teased them with the trailer, the appetizer that that is in the uh, courier.
1: Yeah. And I'd love to. And actually, getting out the theme and then have a subject, it has been challenging. And it's how it created. I feel I'm a better writer to do that too.
0: So, is there a an email address you'd like them to use to re- respond or give you some feedback or maybe topics or experiences they've had that you want to talk about?
1: Sure. That's what is that? Great. That's k a t h r y n m o r a at gmail.com.
0: Very tricky. So, very cool, Catherine. I am going to have to have you on again.
1: Oh, I'd love to be
0: on again. Is there any parting shot you'd like to inspire Claremont with other than listen again and read your articles?
1: Oh, I did want to say about reading my articles, you can go to online to claremont com opinion and then never been old. And I noticed Peter and his staff repeats
0: them. You can find in the history, or you can just put in M O R A into the search, and they'll find you. Oh, you know they how I know they that? Do it? No. I did it. It works.
1: <laughs> I didn't know that. Well,
0: I had to, just like others, I had to have more Catherine. So I took the step and jumped on the Courier website and said, "Okay, let's see what else she's done." So oh, there we go.
1: Oh, okay. That's good to know. And this is such a pleasure to do my first podcast.
0: And you always remember your first.
1: Always. Thank you.
0: Catherine, it has been a delight. The listeners will agree. Thank you for coming on Claremont Speaks. I am privileged and honored to be your first. That's not something I'll forget soon either. And to Claremont, I'm sure you've enjoyed Catherine and we're going to have her on again. Claremont, thank you for listening and please be here next time when Claremont Speaks.
1: Thank you.
0: You are more than welcome.